All right. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of Optimal You. <laughs> Excited for this episode. We've got <laughs> guest in-house, Tanner Godfrey. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have heard him already. So, <laughs> Tanner, Tanner is one of my uh, lifelong best friends. We grew up in the same neighborhood together. We've known each other since, what, probably... Like middle school, right? Beginning of middle school, seventh grade. Yeah. Moved into the neighborhood. Tanner was there. Went to the church together, did the scouts together, did the campouts, all of that stuff. School. I even tried wrestling, <laughs> which Tanner dominated at. State champ, 5A wrestling, Alta. No, you just lied. <sighs> did I? Yeah. I wasn't 5A. I, w- I mean, I wasn't a state champ. I was third. Oh. Third place. Gavin was a state champion. Oh, Gavin, man. that was your brother. That's right. All right, I'm not as good as friends with Tanner as I thought. He was in third place. But yeah. the kid that you beat, okay, hold on. I'm remembering this story, though, right? The, the kid that you beat was, like, big, wasn't he? Like, he, he'd done really well. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty then. much. Dude, you, you, you do, do the motocross. You raced a lot. You were back in senior year of high school. You're about to uh, make it to the pros. Uh, just more expert for desert. Wasn't anything real big like that. No, it's a big deal. You've got a ton of trophies in your garage. I've seen them. Yeah, those are all Gavin. <laughs> no, they're, they're all yours. <laughs> uh, and you know, speaking of of moto. Um, those who know Tanner are pretty familiar with his story, uh, but uh, 2007 Thanksgiving time, you're in an accident. Yeah, we were down in Mesquite, Nevada, racing, and it was the day before my dad crashed on this hill and compressed fractured his T6, 7, and 8 thoracics, which are right behind your sternum. And then 24 hours later, I crashed same spot and I exploded. Well, burst fractured my T6, dislocated T7, and broke eight ribs. And it was, uh, left me, well, it felt like pins and needles, like when your arm falls asleep or something. And then mm-hmm. my whole body was like that. And all I could do is cuss and look down the hill and I tried to roll over and it just, just pain. Like I'd been hitting the chest with a truck or something. And, So by the time they got me on a stretcher and up into the ambulance, my left leg went numb. And then they took me to the hospital there, put me on another backboard. And once I was in the x-ray, getting the x-rays and CAT scans done, my left leg came back, could start to move it again. And then once they threw me onto the final backboard to fly up to the University of Utah, I was paralyzed. numb from the chest down i couldn't really feel anything and they had me so drugged up by then and then so that slowly happened like it wasn't immediately that you lost the feeling yeah it was i could feel the whole time and then once i got on the plane to come up here then it was kind of had set in more or less Mm -hmm. i don't really i remember a little bit of the plane ride and then going up into the hospital and then Woke up the next morning and was paralyzed from the nipples down, basically, and couldn't move or feel anything, and um, 
was hallucinating from the drugs. <laughs> That's crazy. That's intense. And and what did the doctors tell you at that time? I mean, what was their the prognosis? What was the outlook? Well, they told me I'd live a good life in the wheelchair. But I mean, doctors just say kind of the worst thing just so their back's covered. And I didn't really care what they said anyway. So they said I was going to be fine. Yeah. It's awesome. I I think... So I've I've heard you tell that story, and and how do you feel <laughs> telling that story? Because I'm sure you've probably told it what probably like a hundred. I times. told it like <laughs> I told it five times. Just five times. <laughs> You're my fifth person. Yeah, <laughs> that's only five times in eleven years. <laughs> yeah, nobody cares. Yeah, I mean, when when you go through and you say that, like you did right now, it, it's like you're just sharing that experience, but. There's there's really no more emotional connection there, I can kind of tell. Well, there never really was. It's just it happens. Yeah. I mean, that's life. I like what you told the doctors because when you've when you've shared that story before, you said, Oh, to hell with what they say. I'm not gonna <laughs> live a good life in a wheelchair. And and that's what I love about you and and really encompasses your your character and who you are. I think you you challenge that authority, not only from doctors, but just in general, the status quo. Uh, yeah. If someone says something can't be done, that's when like I really want to do it. And when people tell me like, oh, yeah, you're going to do it. Like you can do this. It's just like, eh, I don't care to do it. Like it, <laughs> I like to go against it almost. Yeah. That's awesome. So so what happened at that point? So they say you're going you're gonna to live a good life in, in a wheelchair what what happens next what's what's going through your mind um i was so busy the first like week and a half i had so many visitors coming up and friends and family and that i didn't really have time to think yeah hojo (laughs) (laughs) and uh i didn't have time to think as much about it and then once i got i was in icu and i uh I lost 20 pounds that first week because I couldn't eat or, like, nothing sounded good. Everything just tasted like medicine, and it tasted like medicine, and everything smelled like hand sanitizer because every time the nurses <laughs> came in, they'd put on the hand sanitizer and flip, and it just stunk so bad, so I just had no appetite. And then the first thing I did eat was a popsicle, a great popsicle. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> But yeah, it was, it was just living on IVs and stuff. And um, once they put me down into the rehab center, that's when it first, that's when it really hit me when I had to order my wheelchair. And I just remember like ordering everything on it. And then I went back to my room and I called my mom and I was just crying just because it was like, that's when it really set in like, damn, this is real. And then... Yeah. It uh started therapy down there, and they had this bike that I could strap my feet in, and then I could pet or do with my arms. So it was almost like an elliptical type thing, but sitting down. Mm-hmm. And so I did that a lot just to kind of get some sort of exercise. And I mean, I was still so fresh that, like, when I first moved down there, I couldn't sit up. Like, part of my therapy was sitting up in the bed, so they'd take the remote and sit the bed up. And I'd sit up and I had a big old like brace around me, like a rubber band type Mm -hmm. thing. 
and that was to keep the blood from <clears throat> kind of rushing down because, I, well, I just didn't have the muscles to pump the blood around, so I'd get so lightheaded as soon as I sat up. So, like, they'd sit me up, and I'd about pass out, and then I'd to put me back down. So it took a bit before I could really start to oh wow um, sit up. And then once I could, they, like, transferring into the wheelchair took me like a week and a half just because it's so it's so weird because you think about it you don't well you don't think about it because you always have your legs and whatnot but as soon as like everything's gone from right there like just to transfer you have to make sure you're high enough and i mean i was so i was weak and so that didn't help but i want to kind of lift myself up and you have to lean forward to get your butt up off the chair or whatever you're moving from and you lean too far forward, you're going to fall forward, like fall on the ground. And if not, then it's just, so figuring that out was difficult. I mean, not bad once you kind of got the hang of it. But the first time I sat up on a table, they put me on like this big exercise table. And mm-hmm. the therapist uh, sat behind me. And I was sitting there with my legs straight out in front of me and he moved and it was just like, I just fell over immediately. Like it was the craziest feeling. Cause I had, have, I had no gut muscles or anything. So I just fall over. So it's like you sit on a big ball, pick your feet up. And even then like you have more stability than I had on that. Like it was, yeah. I just fallen over. And so that was. I'm picturing like one of those dancing things that they oh, have yeah. in like car dealerships where yeah. it's just moving all around. Yeah, pretty much. It's so that was crazy. And then once I kind of got, um, like they wouldn't let me leave the hospital until I could uh, transfer from my wheelchair into a car. So they had like a sliding board for the ones that needed it, and so I used that for a second just to kind of get used to it. And I was more, I was kind of nervous about the rods in my back. Cause they put so they took put two eight inch rods down my spine and ten screws. So um, they said that it would take a lot of hardware to replace the front of my spine. So they just threw the rods down it, and so in a sense, I was basically um, stable right then. Like the rods were just instant fix as far as the structural was, but I had the spinal mm-hmm. damage. I didn't cut or puncture anything. It was just more. Um, the swelling that got me and it's just kind of a natural defense that your body does. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was a great time in the hospital. So, so you're, you get that down, you're, you're able to transfer, you go home. What are you thinking at this point? Um, well, I wanted to start therapy as soon as I could, but I wore some underwear, I guess in the hospital that, they had kind of pinched my skin and then gave me a little sore, which turned into a pressure sore, which if you don't, if you aren't careful with them, then those could kill you Mm -hmm. and get infected and all this stuff. And so I had to kind of take it easy for the month of January while uh, it was healing. Cause I got out of the hospital December 28th. And then on new year's we were sitting there and I think a couple of the like a couple of friends were over Tyler and Colton and 
I was going stir crazy, so I got in my wheelchair and rolled down the road. Mm-hmm. And it was like when we had a ton of snow that year, so all the roads were snow covered and snow packed. And I would get down to the end of the road, and there's the um, the dip, and it was all slush. So I tried to go through it, and I got stuck. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there, and the car drives by, and I act like I look down and fix my wheelchair, so because <laughs> I was so embarrassed. And then I just pushed real fast, real hard, and got out and went back to the house and. Yeah, it was, it was great, but it was like there's times where I would get so frustrated with my legs because, like, you sit there and they should move. Like you think about it, it's like, why aren't you moving? And nothing moves. That I'd go out in the snow and I'd put my feet in the snow and say, if you aren't gonna work, you're gonna freeze. Really? Yeah. <laughs> just how long would you keep them there? I don't know. Not long. I just was showing them who's boss, and it and still didn't work. I, that's <laughs> that's interesting. That man. I couldn't feel weird, it. Weird, <laughs> yeah, not having that feeling there and just putting him in the snow. Yeah. And you're you're determined. And so you did a lot of therapy, alternative medicines, and let's let's fast forward to now. So you are not in a wheelchair. Tell me, tell me how you got to where you're at right now. Um, well, I went to NeuroWorks after, like that's where I started, and they were kind of newer. Um, they're founded by this Jam Black and Dell, and Dell was actually an OBGYN. He broke his neck jumping on the trampoline, did a backflip, snapped his neck. So he, they didn't. There wasn't really any type. Of, I mean, there was rehab places, but nothing like specific, more or less. And so they started NeuroWorks. Jan helped him, and um, so I went there, and um, I just slowly started more or less with kind of doing the basic like baby baby steps like just Mm -hmm. crawling stuff and arching my back and they tried to do pool therapy because that's kind of a big thing because you're weightless and so you can move your legs better and but with me it was that my legs just sucked up and I just it was kind of it didn't work for me because I needed the weight and the gravity on my legs like I, I could start walking upstairs before I could walk on flat ground wow that's crazy yeah and i don't know why but they would just like trigger the front of my foot when i drag it up the stair and then it'd kick the next one up and but yeah and then they well they had this treadmill that had this crane type thing over it it was just homemade basically and it'd take the weight up so like you're in a harness and it'd hook you up to it and then pick you up so that you didn't have all the weight on you on your feet and then they would sit down on the sides of the treadmill and they'd step your legs for you so they'd grab your ankle and and hit all the points and step for you and that's how I started to do it and like even now I don't like I've got function of my muscles but a lot of it I rely not I mean without my spasms because I had really bad spasms to where they would stretch me and I'd throw people off the tables because they get to a certain point and then they just eject people because wow. they were still so strong. And I was on um, baclofen for them, which kind of deadens your spasms. And that stuff was just poison, I felt like, because I couldn't, like I'd sit there and stare at the wall for like a half hour before I even realized what was going on. And it, I figured if... The baclofen was killing my spasms. I was going to hurt my muscles. So if I took myself off, then 
my muscles are still going to be strong when I started walking. And so that's kind of what I did. So I dealt with the spasms and stuff, but I didn't lose the muscle masses as much as I would have had they just gotten dead. And so I learned to use my spasms to my advantage to where I could start to stand on them. And once I've kind of figured out how they worked, then I could kind of start to control them a little bit more and more. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, yeah, it was just a long process of therapy. And like it's, it'll be 11 years this Thanksgiving. And um, I've basically done therapy or the gym ever since. And so I spent a lot of time in working on it that's awesome and you've actually uh, gotten the nickname because you use a couple of canes to walk around so now you're also known as two canes that's my street name (laughs) you put that as your street name you see me on the streets what's up two canes and it's amazing like literally you can go to the treehouse gym here in utah and you'll see tanner there in the mornings walking in uh from his truck you drive in you walk in you lift weights, even more weights than some of the guys you're lifting with. <laughs> and another thing that you mentioned you do is therapy. And this is insane to me. You would drive from your home in Sandy all the way down to Provo, right? For yeah. therapy every morning. Yeah, I was. So once I stopped, uh, stopped going to Narrowworks, I started going, I took like, I don't know. I started going to this place down in um, Provo called Sit Tall, Stand Tall with this Leighton Weber. And he's more of an old school type. I mean, it's kind of like an old Rocky gym. That's how <laughs> I describe it to people. And it was just kind of a in-your-face type thing. And that worked best for me because it just challenged me. Whereas, How did you get hooked up with this guy? Was it through the doctors? People, or? no. Yeah, okay, people. through people. And, and so... It was, um, it just, yeah, I went down there and started doing that. And then I've done that off and on. I think it's been like six years. I don't know. I've just done a lot of therapy, so. That's awesome. One of the most amazing videos that I saw of you during this whole time was when you were there at therapy and you were doing your deadlifts. In the squat rack, you had a barbell loaded up, and you deadlift that bar off of off of the rails. It was amazing. Yeah, and it, like I, I didn't do a full one, but I went down a couple inches, and then stood up, and I think I had like two sixty five on when I did that. Yeah, that was impressive. Now, going through all of that, being told by a doctor, "Hey, you're gonna you're gonna live a good life in a wheelchair." Your your motivation to go against that helped you, but share with me your your life your life philosophy, Tanner. How how do you keep going? And is it easy? Um. Well, even when I was younger, like I've done sports since I could remember. Like I just grew up playing every sport: baseball, basketball, football, wrestling, soccer. I mean, racing BMX bikes, skateboarding, rollerblading. I mean, I did it all. And so I was very competitive. And um, that kind of the competitive nature of my whole childhood and um, kind of life had almost prepared me for this, basically, to where 
I wasn't afraid to do the work and I always kind of was better at pushing myself further than other people would and what they'd want to do. And so I just, I just wanted to win more or less. Mm -hmm. And I, and I can't, that's carried over to this. I mean, I still have, everybody's like, Oh man, you're just so motivated all the time. I don't know how you do it. It's like, honestly, most of the days I'm like, screw this like i don't <laughs> like it's just is because i mean and like the canes are they're good and everything but it's like i move so slow so like getting into places takes me like compared to the wheelchair takes what would take a minute and a half to get it i mean you could be upstairs say at the gym at treehouse you're upstairs go hop in the elevator and you're up in 30 seconds versus me. I walk in, it's like at least three to four minutes just to, by the time I walk my slow little butt in there, it's <laughs> like, gosh, damn it. But it, I don't know. But even then, I, I don't take the elevator because the elevator for people who need it. And yeah. I didn't even start, I didn't even park in the handicap um, stalls until just recently. And that's just because I was tired of walking so far. Yeah. Because it's like, eh, handicap stalls are for really old people or people <laughs> that need it. And you see all these pussies with their knee surgery or something. It's like, get your ass out of there. It's like, man up, you little. Who, you know. who have the ability still, though, to walk in there. Oh, using the excuse, off. yeah, to park up front. Yeah. I, don't, I think that they should just remove all closed parking at the gyms. Like, what's the point of that? Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't go then. I'm not walking that far. Yeah, well, so even you, Tanner, even you have some bad days. What do you What do you do when those bad days happen? Mm, it just depends. Like there's days where I'm just like I'm just over everything, and it's and usually that's what happens when I start. Like if I haven't gone to the gym for a couple days, then that's when kind of the demons really start playing games in my head, and it's. And it's like I, I just go to you get depressed and stuff. And like, here's the funny thing: is before my accident, I used to be, I used to take, uh, I don't know, some anxiety medicine and antidepressant thing. But and then after I broke my back, I haven't taken them any like anything since. Like I, I take nothing. And you think it would be the other way around, like or you would need them now. Good, yeah, and then you break yeah. your back, and it's like that's when you need the antidepressants. But like the gyms and being active has been my biggest antidepressant because like it's it's hard to to feel down if you're going to the gym and working out because you feel good after you like. I never regret going to the gym. Like <laughs> you never walk out. <laughs> I mean, you might be a little sore, or tired, but it's like you feel good because you did something. Yeah. And that's what the gym is to me is like, yeah, the side of like one of the benefits of working out is you get muscles and you can do stuff. But for me, like the mental side of things, like I, I honestly would probably be in the graveyard if I didn't have the gym because you can go into such a dark hole and, and you don't even need to have a broken back. I mean, everybody yeah. has those demons and it's not like, one thing's more like it's not like breaking your back is any worse than 
going through some trials. I mean, we all have our trials and, um, it's just a matter of how you just face it. And with my back, it's, it's happened. And, and everyone's like, well, what about this? Why don't you go get this done or that done? Like there, cause there's, there are some, um, kind of things that have popped up where I could go and get like stem cell and stuff. And they've made a lot of advancement and I'm looking into it, but it's still like everybody's looking for the shortcut. And I feel that the only shortcut that's really going to happen is you have to work your ass off and be willing to do the hard stuff in order for any of that stuff to really benefit you. And so it's like, if you want to, like if I was waiting for something to happen with the stem cell stuff, I'd still be waiting. I'd be in my wheelchair and I'd be just miserable because like, I wouldn't point. be able to live life. And so yeah. if you sit there and wait for someone to figure something out or something to happen, you're going to be waiting and you're just going to be down. And it's like, I'm going to go live life and, and do what I want. And like one of the big things of lifting is so I can climb into things or move around and do what I want to do so I can climb into tractors and go run tractors. And I mean, there's so much to do still. And people focus on such a small Play Halo piece. with the boys. Yeah. Whoop <laughs> ass on Halo. <laughs> That's amazing. And honestly, you, you're so right. Like there are so many people who are just waiting, waiting for their situation to get better. And you, like you don't have an easy life and it would be easy for you to say, I'm just going to wait something happens to change my situation but you have such a great mindset of doing the hard work and making your situation better for yourself i love a saying that's put up in your room uh give her hell because that is is seriously probably your motto and when i think about you that's that's what i think about like here here you are and you never take the easy road you don't you don't take a wheelchair around. You would rather bust your ass with your canes and take twice the amount of time than it would to, to take the easy path of using a wheelchair. And it, it's just little things like that, which is such a good mindset to have because no matter what it is, whether it's breaking your back, going through a hard relationship, going through depression with life in general, that that mindset will pull you through. And the gym... I love the gym because it releases those endorphins. It's it's a good exercise for you. You you always feel good after a workout. Yeah, it's it's the gym's great. It sucks, but it's so good too. And and it's I don't know. Life happens. People focus too much on oh, I should have been this or I should have been that instead of what they can be and go and do the work that's required. I mean, it's just like with you, you lost a hundred pounds and this episode isn't about me tanner i don't care (laughs) but it's still the fact like you can sit there and wish for something to happen you can go take these pills to lose weight or make you big i mean even like steroids steroids don't make you big automatically you still have to put in the work i mean there's nothing that does that doesn't make you better that doesn't involve work and people are so afraid of the work and who knows why i mean I was, I've been slacking a lot lately, but I was getting up at four, driving down to Provo, 
get there, get to therapy at 5.15, do therapy for an hour, hop in the car at 6.15, drive to Treehouse, get there about 6.45, and then lift until 8, and then go and go work and do whatever all day. And I still wow. felt like that wasn't enough. Like I still felt like I was not doing enough to get to where I wanted to be. And now I'm just going to the gym for two hours in the morning and I still feel like I feel like I'm literally being a pussy. Like like I'm not doing the work that I need to do, so I'm not going to really get any better because I should be doing so much more. Like that's that's how my mindset kind of works. Like people think that I'm doing so much, but in my own mind it's like, gosh, damn it. Stop being a little pussy. Not not doing enough. You still need to do more. That's that's amazing. I love uh, you. You you'll update us on your uh, your stairmaster, your, <laughs> your your progress that you're making on there. Your speed. <laughs> oh yeah, the stairmaster. I've been slacking on, but the treadmill. I've my quarter mile. The first time I did it was like, I think it was 18 minutes, and the last time I did it was 12 minutes and 29 seconds. And the only difference was I just turned the speed up and went faster for longer. <laughs> like that's, it was just, it was just in my mind, basically. That was the only difference. That's amazing. And your, your, your funny, your funny videos, your funny uh, social media post is another thing that I really enjoy about you. You've, you've got a great personality. You, you said it a lot of times when I went and did my uh, talk last week at the Salt Lake Library uh, I remember one of the things you asked me. You said, "Did you make it funny?" <laughs> yeah, that's that's one thing that people just need to laugh more. They take life so serious that it's it's sad because they miss out on all the funny stuff. Like I make jokes about myself more than most people think is good, but it's like I don't care. It makes me laugh. It makes other people laugh, and that's what I enjoy more than anything is watching other people smile. So if if I can help someone smile and kind of brighten their day and realize that life's not that bad, then it's worth it. We, I mean, luckily I'm breast or breast. <laughs> I'm, I'm blessed with some really good friends who would make everybody feel like garbage when we'd walk into places and you guys would like someone would be walking out and hold the door open. And then you guys would be like, hurry up, Tanner, you're making these people hold the door. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, you're fine. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I just moved so slow. I'm like, I'm sorry. And, they're, and they, people don't know how to take someone who is handicapped or different, period. Mm-hmm. And so we would mess with people so bad, and it's just so funny to watch the reactions. And I, I feel like humor is the best cure for so many things. I mean, if people can just laugh more, then they would instantly start feeling better because it's hard to smile and not start to feel like better just just by smiling. It's basically that simple. Like I, I'll, I'll think of funny things all the time and I'll just start cracking up laughing. I'm sure I look like just some mental guy sitting in my truck laughing, but it's like, Squints. Oh yeah, I got big eyes. Yeah. When he laughs, his eyes go down very small. And my eyes are squinty anyway. So, yeah, when I was younger, they'd say, they'd say, smile, and I'd smile, and my eyes would close basically, and they're like, open your eyes, and I'd not smile. So they had to had to take it, yeah. and take it with the closed eyes. Uh, 
I I like your ethic, your your hard work ethic, never taking the easy way out, and also doing something to improve your situation. Uh, another thing about you and your family, you guys are probably the most generous, giving people that I know. Um, you've helped out with the Warfighter Made project. Your family's helped out when there have been hurricanes in providing trailers and trucks and drivers to take stuff down there. Um, now, is is that something that you try to do as well, or does that just happen? Yeah, it's service has kind of always been big. I mean, something like humor's up there with, like, if you can have, if you're willing to work hard at something, and then you can find the humor in life, and then you're willing to serve other people, that'll make such a difference in your life. Because when you're serving other people, then you start forgetting about yourself. And in return, you see someone smile because of what you're doing. Then you'll feel so much better. Or even they just you know it's helping them. People would feel so much better. Because everybody's so focused on themselves. Like social media, everybody is trying to look so cool on social media. Like, oh, look at me and all this stuff. And it's like everything I do, I almost look like a jackass. And it's... <laughs> hopefully because it makes someone laugh like that's yeah. that's a lot of like that's what i get the most joy out of is getting people to laugh and just helping them and like that was one of the hard things about breaking my back is i used to be able to we used to help people all the time do stuff and and it's like now i'm worthless when it comes to physical labor stuff like i can't really carry anything it's like, so that was really hard. And so I've just had to figure out different ways I can do it. So if like anything involves tractor stuff or things that I can do, then I'm, then I'll do it. But it's like, I've also kind of learned how to, I'm the supervisor basically. So I'll just, <laughs> You're a get, good people, foreman. <laughs> I'll just get people to work in it. And it's like, I get so frustrated because I can't do, go dig a hole for somebody or something like that for an old person or, and I get so frustrated that I, if someone else won't do it, then I start getting pissed at them. It's like, and then I just have to kind of chill out because I don't know, but it's the service stuff. People, I feel like they would start to really change their mindset and start realizing maybe they don't have it so bad if they just go help people. And even if they do have it bad, you will help people, you're still going to feel better. I mean, there's nothing bad that's going to come from helping people and even if they don't say thank you and they don't appreciate it you still know that you're you've done good and if people just do good in this world there'll be a lot better place i mean obviously we've got seven plus billion people in this world and there's a lot of bad people but there's a lot more good people because everyone's still alive everyone's still helping each other you look at all the natural events or um these terrible things that happen and it brings everybody together and such positive things come from it. And it's sad that something terrible has to happen in order for people to really get together and go help people. And it's like, that's where you see humans at their best is when they're helping other humans. And it's not for the fact that they're going to get some sort of recognition or they're going to get some payment and return it. They're just doing it because that's kind of what humans are hardwired to do is 
if you see someone to help, you're going to go help them. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's service is great. Helping people is great. You feel a lot better when you're, you know, you're making a difference. Yeah. And it almost works like a little counterintuitively too. You're, you're helping an individual, but you get so much out of it in return just by helping somebody else. You, you can realize that your situation's not as bad as maybe you thought it was, or you can help yourself out of that bad situation that you're in by serving, taking your mind off of things like you said. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, and and then you see, like for me, like I don't have my legs. Like I, I do have my legs, but I don't have my legs. Like they just piss me off more than anything at times. And, but people are like, oh my gosh, how do you do it? Like, I don't know how I do it. It's like people would realize they're a lot stronger than they let lead themselves on the bleed. I mean, you can do, there's so much possibility with people. Like they can, they're so capable of all these things, but they are afraid to really reach the potential of what they can do all because it takes some work. And I mean, I, I've got my hands, I've got my arms. I've seen, I've seen what happens when the people, when people break their necks and they don't have anything. I mean, they can barely talk and, or they've got a little bit of arm movement and then they've got the quad hands to where they can barely move their fingers. And, and so it's like, I'm, I'm lucky for, I mean, not only do I have my hands and I've got like full upper body and I've got all that strength and everything, but then the fact that my legs, I've I've pretty much willed them to work. And it's just like there's so much to be thankful for. And and that's one thing that you once you go and see people who have it worse than you, then you it kind of hits you in the face like I guess it's not as bad as as I make it out to be in my head. And and that's another thing is is we at least me, I play things in my head way too much. I overthink things <laughs> way too much to where you start creating problems that don't even exist. And that's where, that's where like not going to the gym, it starts just slowly creeping and my body starts locking up. If I don't go to the gym for two days, then my legs start getting so tight and everything just start, and it gets harder to move. And so I have to go to the gym in order to function. Like I've got a life sentence. I can't not go to the gym because once I stop going to the gym, then it's just going to be a downhill from there and it's going to go bad fast. And, and it's, I don't know. Life is crazy. I mean, you, you're on top of the world one day and the next day you're down in the dirt and you have a choice of whether to, crawl forward and keep on going or just lay there and basically die. Cause like I guess we still, I don't ride motorcycles as much as I'd like basically because my, like I've got a motorcycle set up with thumb controls or hand controls more or less. So I can shift with my thumb and then I've got a rear brake up there and took the clutch off so I can, I can ride a dirt bike, but I don't because it pisses me off because I'm unable to go as fast as I want to go. Like it just frustrates me. So I've, um, it got, I got into the side by side world, um, like the off road buggy stuff. And that gave me kind of the rush 
I mean, nothing's going to replace a motorcycle, mm -hmm. but I can still go out and have fun in the desert and go fast. And I mean, you can still scare yourself pretty good with them. And so that's fun. And people would ask my mom, they're like, or even ask me, they're like, do you guys just have a death wish? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? And it's like, I'd rather go out and live life how I want to live and go ride motorcycles and razors and all this stuff because if I'm not doing what I love, I might as well be dead. Like if you're not living life, what's the point of it? Yeah. And I've like, there's times where it's like, you're like, Oh, is it worth it? But then it's like, man, the rush you get after you do something that you shouldn't be able to do, or it just is scary. You feel so much better. And it's not even that you have to go do this big old 200 plus foot jump or anything. It's, it's just, what you're scared of like and i think that's the, what i loved about motorcycles is that it was physical and then it was also you could scare the piss out of yourself <laughs> with things because you could push the limits so far and i think that's what i miss is the speed of it and and just the physical side of things but i've learned them in different ways like like if you would have told me that i would be speaking um, before I broke my back, like if you had told the young me, I would have said no way. Cause like, I wouldn't even speak in church. I, <laughs> I was gone every time they asked me like, Tanner, we need to give you a talk. I was like, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> and you weren't. And I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And, but like now, like I still get nervous, but it's, it's not bad at all. Like we play things out to be so much worse in our minds and we create our own fear. Like fear is just made up. Like, like think about babies. They aren't afraid of anything because they don't know and they haven't been told. Like when, the, if they fall off the couch, they don't know it's going to hurt because they don't know. And so as you grow up, you figure, or you're more so told what to fear. Like you're told not to do this or to do that because you could get hurt. And you see people who, are raised and they're basically wrapped in bubble wrap the whole time and they're raised not and they don't do anything and those people usually end up getting in a car wreck or getting something stupid happening to them and they've never even lived life versus the people who let their kids fall and go do all this stuff and i mean even like me i did everything growing up i rode bikes and i had i crashed a lot i hit my head a lot <laughs> never got a concussion though but I live life to the fullest, I feel, for me. And if I could go back and not ride motorcycles and not be paralyzed, I don't think I'd do it because I live so much in those 18 years of riding motorcycles and stuff that most people don't even get a touch, a sliver of that. And it's all because I was pushing the envelope. And, and when you're pushing the envelope, even with, just day-to-day -day tasks, you feel so much better, like you feel alive. Mm -hmm. And I've met so many people from my injury. I mean, it was the lowest point in my life, yet it turned out to be one of the best things because I've done so many things since then. I've, I went, because like a year after I broke my back, we went skydiving for the year anniversary, and that was fun. Wow. Except... <laughs> Like skydiving is kind of anticlimactic, I feel. 
because <laughs> I sat on the plane and I was right by the door. They opened the door up. They I whipped my feet out and I'm just sitting there basically on the side of the plane as we're cruising. And I'm just looking down and I got this old man strapped to me. <laughs> and we fall out. You fall for a second. It's just real loud. And the earth get or everything gets bigger. And then you pull the chute and you just kind of float. So it's kind of like it was fun, but not the rush that I thought it would be. Uh-huh. And so like we did that. And then like I went and backflipped a motorcycle into... Travis Pastrana's foam pit back in Maryland. And if you don't know Travis Pastrana, he's like the Michael Jordan of um, action sports. Like he's just, he's he's a nut. He's the man. <laughs> and like I was, that's probably the most scared I've ever been because we just basically duct tape my feet to the pegs. <laughs> like I was in my riding gear, duct tape my feet to the pegs, at my, my left one. They had to hurry and start the bike and then pour water on the head pipe, which had heat wrap on it, and then duct tape my foot to the peg. And then I had to hurry, go around, and then hit this ramp. And this ramp was like, it it was at least 13, 14 feet tall. And it was just a straight up wall, basically. And I was so scared. And there's no way that I could... Like once I was committed, I was committed <laughs> and everybody was there and I was like, oh, I can't pitch out. <laughs> and so I went up and I was terrified and I hit it and goosed it and flip and just leaned back and I landed basically upside down and the bike landed on me, but I was fine. Turned it off and they pulled me out and the duct tape on my feet had ripped off. And so <laughs> they... um my uncle was like, oh, you're fine. And so we hurry and start the bike. And I go around, hit it again. And as I get upside down, my feet come off the bike. So I'm basically hanging upside down underneath the motorcycle. I'm like, <laughs> dang it. And it just lands on me. And then we ended up zip tying my feet. And I ended up back flipping into the foam pit. And it's like, I never would have done that had I not broke my back. Like, I didn't care to flip or anything before. And it's like, it's kind of backwards, but... It was, it's just funny how things work, but it's like, mm -hmm. those are the small things that I never would have had the opportunity to do had I not broke my back. And like, I've met so many amazing people and I've got to see people in a different light with, go, with them going through injuries or, um, kind of that. And I've, I've, I've got the opportunity to kind of help people. Like people say I'm so inspirational and stuff. But it's like I don't look at it that I'm doing anything that great. Like, like I'm not running, so I'm not doing that good, obviously. But when someone comes up, hey, and an 18 minute quarter mile, come on, 12, 12, 12 <laughs> minute quarter mile. <laughs> but like people come up to me, and or even like on Instagram, they'll like I'll put something up, and when people are like, "Oh my gosh, you helped me so much," or like they're going through some times and it's just like that post hit them just perfect. It's like, that's, that's the stuff that keeps me going because if I did this for me, I wouldn't do it. Like I don't, I just, it doesn't, it, it just feels almost emptiness for if I do it for myself. But like knowing that I've got other people kind of watching me and mm -hmm. kids looking at me, it's like, I, I can't quit. It's like I can't, especially for even 
even just my family, it's like I can't quit because my family doesn't quit. And so it's it's like I've got that. So it's the Godfrey way. Yeah. So if you <laughs> so like if I if you put things in a bigger picture where it's not for yourself, you kind of find another way to do things because that's kind of the hardest part is is just getting up and doing it and like i said there's times where i just want to lay there and not wait. like i just want to go back to sleep because that's where i'm at least out of this prison of a body at times but i mean you it's kind of i i live life and and did what i love and it bit me and I've just got to keep on going and live life how it is now. And if it gets better, it gets better. I mean, I'm obviously working at it for it to get better. And if not, I'll still live life how I, how I want. That's awesome. And an amazing perspective in life and as well, you know, going through the experience that you did. And like you said, being able to see the silver lining, not focusing on the bad things, but, rather seeing the opportunities that were created as a result of it that probably wouldn't have happened had that not happened in your life. And I, it's amazing that you have been able to be inspirational and to help so many people. The Optimal You blog and podcast is about helping individuals feel empowered to live their optimal lives. Now, what advice, and, and I love this, and I love that you're here because as we've taken trips together, as we've driven together, you and I always talk about this type of stuff. We've always talked about, oh, one day when we're going to be big speakers, we're going we're gonna to captivate crowds, and we have these very, uh, very thoughtful, deep conversations about motivation, about inspiration, about grit and determination. But now, what would you tell people what advice would you give them to help them live their optimal lives? Just get out and do it. I mean, there's no, there's no substitute for hard work. You've got to be one to work. You got, you just, I mean, Nike hit it right on the head when they said, just do it. Cause basically that's, that's all you can do is get out and do it. And if you fail, then you better learn from it and figure out a different way to do it. And, that's kind of, I mean, life's going to knock you down a lot. I mean, especially if you think that you're this big boy, you're kind of the big bad dog on the block. It's like life's going to whoop you <laughs> and it'll humble you too. And if you aren't willing to get back up, then you're going to be miserable. And I just think that, like I said earlier, people are capable so much more than they than they do and it all it is is just trying and doing it i mean the first step is just getting up and or like just just moving do something to, to work towards that goal and if it's to lose weight get up and go walk to your front door or something go do something physical to where you start gaining momentum because it's the little things and that's what we get so overwhelmed with is we look at the big picture and we look at how far we'd have to go to get to where we want to go and it just overwhelms you to where it's like yeah i'm gonna do that tomorrow maybe because you overthink things and that's like what i was saying with walking even it's like 
I need to be running. I should be running. I should be doing all this stuff when I don't look at the little things. And it's the little muscles that'll, if I can get one little muscle a little stronger, then I'll be able to move a little better, this or that. And so that few words of advice turned into a lot, but it's, it's just, I don't know. It's, I just got my mind just races and whatnot. And I, I think that if I could say anything, it's don't be afraid to put in the work and, and do the amount of work that you need to, to get to where you want to go. Laugh, smile, be happy. And just that alone will make you feel so much better and then help other people. I mean, be a good person. Too many people are so focused on themselves that they don't realize that when you focus on yourself, that's when you become miserable. And if you can focus on, I mean, I'm not saying completely forget about yourself because you still have to take care of yourself. You still have to do this still, like do all this stuff. But if you can help other people in the process, you will be a lot happier. You'll be a better person because of it. You'll feel better. And in turn, you'll make someone else feel better and it'll just be kind of a ripple effect. So if you can do those things, it's, I mean, life is very basic if you think about it. I mean, it's really not that complicated, at least in my, in my mind. I think everything, like I, I'm kind of a realist. I think everything just, and I see it and it's kind of like black or white. Mm -hmm. And like if if you want to do something, go do it. If you don't, then just be okay with not doing it. I mean, and that's how my whole recovery has been. Is is I can't sit and and bitch about what I don't have when I've not done the work that I know is required to get to where I want to go. And and even when I do put in the work, I still expect more for myself. And that's the thing that I think scares people is you know what you have to do and how much work it's going to take and how much effort. And you just got to do it. Just be willing to do it and deal with the pain and eventually you'll get to where you want. Or even if you don't get to where you want, you'll still be a better person because you're further along and you've learned lessons along the way that you wouldn't have learned had you not tried. I mean, that was... In a nutshell, <laughs> you've you've got a lot to say and you've got a lot to share. I, I love it, and those are great words of advice and and things that you can do. I'd I'd love to have you back, continue the conversation, uh, and and share more because you you obviously have a lot of life experience and you have a a lot of amazing perspectives that go along with that. Um, but for today, that's all the time that we have for. Thank you, everybody, for for listening or watching. Uh, if you liked the video, like the podcast today, uh, subscribe, uh, share it with somebody who you think it might help benefit as well. We're, we're all about uh, helping one another and, and enriching each other's lives. And like Tanner said, just, just doing it, finding that motivation to, to go out and to do things. Until next time, thanks, friend. Thanks, friends. Uh, take care. Bye. We'll see you in the next episode.